some limping, some lame, some on broken pieces. But God, here we are. And Father, for that, we say thank you. Thank you for seeing my eyes for hearing ears. But God, more importantly, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that one day you reach way down and told us all we had to do was repent of our sins and be baptized. Father, we stand again asking for your strength and your courage. Breathe upon us, breath of God. Fill us with the life of you that we might love as you love and do as you would do. And Father, we pray for the hands that we hold. We pray for our brother and our sister. Whatever they're going through, bring them out on top. Bring them out on top. And Father, we speak victory into these hands. We decree faith into these hands. We decree healing into these hands. And Father, we know that it's already alright. The strong name of Jesus and all of God's people said amen. Come on, put those hands together. Oh, come on, put those hands together. So when I can see myself clap to be the one to put those hands together for our God. For our God is great and is great in achieving praise. You may be seated on tonight.
guess we'll pull down the tent tonight. And tonight, I want to go into Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter number 16.
didn't always go to the store like she needed to. And so when it was time for her to make her recipes, she often had to substitute. It happened. She had to substitute what she needed for what she had. Which means that sometimes things came out discolored if you didn't have the right food coloring. Things would always have a taste that was a little off because she wouldn't always put in the right measure of things. But we often were told to be glad and be thankful no matter what she did because she was doing the best she could. But as I got older, I realized that there was a little something wrong with that. Because the recipe requires certain things. And the product depends on having the right ingredients. Because if you want the right result, you have to put the right things in. And I could not, I could not help but consider that when we look at the church of the living God. Because you're not going to say amen here, but the truth of living is that the church of the living God does not always look like it's supposed to be. This is the last one. I can take my time if you don't mind. Baby. The, the, the reality is, is that, that the church of the living God doesn't always sound like it's supposed to. And perhaps, beloved, the reason is because us folk who attend the church aren't putting the right things in. And I'll be honest with you. It, it's so easy for us to look at the cook and say, it's the cook's fault. But, but the reality is we all have to look at ourselves and see what are we putting into the mix because if you don't put the right thing in the right place at the right time, you're going to get the wrong result. And that's, that's exactly the vantage point from which I look at Romans chapter 16. Because here Paul is getting to the end of his letter to the Roman church and, and he's now trying to get them to understand that beloved, if you are going to name the name of Jesus, you ought to show unity. Because you understand that the church of the living God is made up of all types of people. That you have Jews and Gentiles, you have the rich and the poor, male and female, slaves and free. And what Jesus does through the cross is he lets everybody know you are welcome and there's room here for you. Look at somebody say, we got room for you. Because you understand that, that the beauty of the cross was that through the cross, God was reconciling humanity yeah, yeah. to himself. Yeah. And so because God was recon reconciling the world to himself, we who have been bought with a price by God are now reconciled one to the other because of the work of Jesus Christ. See, it is because of what Christ has done on the cross that we are now one body. 
with one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Because you understand that the only reason that we are where we are is because of what Jesus has done for us. That no matter if you're wild, if you're skinny, if you're light, if you're not light, no matter what you are, the reality is that you are here because of the goodness and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why I don't understand how folk can get happier about cars than they do about Jesus Christ. I don't understand how folk can get happier about houses and lands, but they don't ever give God the glory. I don't understand how folk can show up in the house of God and want to give God glory for mates and dates, but they don't give God glory for Jesus. Because if it wasn't for Jesus doing what he did, your soul would be lost, dying on your way to hell. <laughs> and so Paul here, he takes the pen out of Tertius's hand and he begins to jot down this admonition. Because he says, I've got something I need to say. He says, if I've been nice, I've been good, but there's something you need to hear from me. Because if you're going to have fellowship, if you're going to have a strong fellowship, there's some stuff you need to look out for. He said the first thing that you've got to look out for are troublemakers. Look at somebody and say, look out for troublemakers. Because you understand in no uncertain terms that divisions disqualify you from the kingdom of God. Come, come on, lean in right there, right there. Listen, listen to me. You cannot be divisive in the house of God and think you're doing the Lord's work. Because hear me, because in Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says that division and dissensions are a work of the flesh. Which means then that you and I have got to be on the lookout for folk who are making trouble in the community of faith. Because one of the seven things that God can't stand, if you read the book of Proverbs, are folk who are stirring up trouble among the believers. Because hear me when I talk to you, those people are the ones you gotta look out for. Matter of fact, the word says you gotta put them on your scope. Because you've got to be eyeballing folk that are always whispering and mid-pipping around trying to make trouble in the house of God. Those folk are troublemakers. He, he says you've got to be on your guard. Yes. Because these people hear the text. The text says... They violate the teaching that you've been taught. And that's why you've got to be careful with troublemakers. Because troublemakers will make you question the teachings of the Lord. And see, I know that doesn't sound important to you because we don't really talk doctrinal anymore. But one thing you need to understand is that the reason that you are where you are is because there are traditions and doctrines that undergird your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes you've got folk that sneak up into your fellowship that try to destroy what the word of the Lord says. And so what they then try to do is to twist things and to make things into something they're not supposed to be. And the Bible says, look out for those folk. Because there is one doctrine that we have received. And that is Jesus came. He died. He rose. 
knows. And one day he's coming again. God have mercy up in here. All that other stuff we can talk about later. All that other stuff we can worry about later. But we need to be able to shout about that living he loved me. Dying he saved me. Barry he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified me. Freed me forever. And one day he's coming back. Glorious day. Troublemakers have any room is because they are hooked up with some. 
naive, immature folk in the house of God. But if you ever get some strength about yourself and grow up yourself, you can shut those troublemakers down. Because I'm telling you something. At some point in time, you gotta grow up. Look at somebody and say, you gotta grow up. You, you wanna get a strong church, you tell folk in your church, grow up. Because when the church starts to grow up, these troublemakers ain't got a leg to stand on. God help me up in here. You start getting folk who are really on fire for the Lord. Those troublemakers will start tiptoeing and sitting down and shutting up because you understand that if they will not have somebody to play off of, they will get gone from there. The church of the living God needs those Berean believers. Those folk who are willing to shut down social media and get in the book. Those folk who are so now trying to figure out what does the scripture say. And I heard what everybody else had to say. But I need a word from the Lord. I, I, I know, I know, but I need to find out. For, I know what the pastor said. I know what the mother said. I, I know what the deacon said. But I want to know for myself, is there a word from the Lord? So you gotta number one be on the lookout for troublemakers. Yes, sir. Thank you, God. But number two, beloved, if you're gonna have a strong fellowship, number two, you gotta learn how to celebrate others. Look at somebody and say, you gotta celebrate others. Because one of the reasons why our fellowships are so weak is because we can't cheer for nobody but ourselves. Lord have mercy here. Because the thing is, it, it was asked, why do you have, why do these cults, why do they have so many followers? That, that you have followers who were in the church and now all of a sudden they're following behind David Koresh and Jim Jones. And how in the world do you go from a church on fire for the Lord to a cult? And, and, the, and the writer says that the reason is because the church is lacking fellowship. See, the reason why they attract our people it's because we're not doing our job of celebrating one another God help me here we show up in the church we trying to outdress one another trying to outpray one another trying to outdeacon one another trying to outpreach one another baby if we could just get in the house of God and you forget about yourself and I forget about myself then maybe the Lord will show up Because I hate to tell y'all this, even on your best day, you ain't there yet. But the good news is I ain't where I used to be. And sometimes you just want somebody to give you a pat on the back and say, man, I see what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Man, I see what the Lord's doing in your life. Don't you give up. I know it's hard. Hang on in faith. And, and look at the text here. I'm a Bible preacher. Look at the text. He, he says, look. We know about your obedience. Therefore, I thank God for you. All right, I'll do it one more time. Come on, come on now. Let's try it again. I'm, I'm a school teacher, so y'all follow me. Come on. Uh, I've heard of your obedience. It's known to everybody. Therefore, I thank God for you. I'm going to do it one more time. We're almost there. 
He said, look here, come on, come on. We ready, we ready, look here. Uh, I've heard about your obedience. Therefore, I thank God for you. And here's what I want you to pay attention to. The reason why that therefore is there because he's trying to join what he said in the beginning with what he does in the end. He wants to connect the fact that you are doing the work of the Lord. And because you are obeying the Lord, I thank God that you're doing his work. God help me up in here. And I'm going to get messy for a moment because you know really what the issue is. A lot of times when folk get mad at church, it's not because they're doing the Lord's work. They're trying to build their own kingdom. And the reality is nobody ought to tell you thank you for you building your own kingdom. God, help me up in here. You ought to be wanting to live in a way and work in a way so that the Lord says, well done. If we see you doing the Lord's work, then God bless you. But you up here doing what you want to do ain't going to get you nowhere. He says, look, you're obeying the Lord. And we're happy for you. Because the truth is, serving the Lord ain't easy. It ain't easy. Anybody can hold a grudge. Anybody can be nasty. Anybody can cuss you out. Anybody can mistreat you. But it takes the Holy Ghost. God have mercy right here. It takes the Holy Ghost to keep your mouth shut, to keep your knife in your bag, to keep your gun in your car. It takes the Holy Ghost. And I don't wonder am I talking to anybody right there who can say, Preacher, I know I got the Holy Ghost. But just this week, I like to win alpha. I like to be in jail. I like to call my boss where I could go. But the Lord kept me. But be expert at being good. 
want you to be wise as a serpent, but innocent as a dove. Okay, I want you to be too good to mistreat folk and too wise to be mistreated. I want you to be smart enough to know how to be nice to people, but I don't want you to know enough to be mean. Because see, when folk are really on your team, they want the best for you. And, and a lot of times, y'all play with me tonight, but the truth is, we cannot cheer because we're always competing. But what I got to compete with you for when I know we're on the same team? When you win, I win. Yes, God. And when I win, you win. So what am I competing with you for? When we got the Lord who's blessing us all. So if you're going to have a strong fellowship, you got to put your scope on troublemakers. You have to make sure that you cheer for other people. But here it is. I'm on three. To have a strong fellowship, you have to let the Lord fight your battles. I can't do no more. Because look at the text here. Verse 20 says, look. The God of peace. Is going to crush the enemy. Under your feet. And I want you to understand how powerful that is. Because verse 20 is antithetical to what we see in verse 17. Because in verse 17, we see the troublemakers who are creating divisions. And now we see the Lord is putting things back together. Because the good news of the gospel is that God always undoes what the enemy tries to do. Because the Bible says that the Son of Man has come to destroy the works of the devil and divisions are the devil's work and so since it is the devil's work I ought to let the Lord fight the devil if divisions are the devil's work and God can fight the devil then I need to back up let the Lord fight the devil because when the Lord fights he gets rid of the division and a lot of times y'all our problem is we want to get our two cents in you better talk back to me on this side when we want to get out of the extra in we, we want to make ourselves feel better baby you need to learn to be still and let the Lord fight to you And I want you to understand here that it is up to God to get rid of your enemies. Almost shot out of my demons right there. It, it, it is up to God to get rid of your enemies. You can't fight them. You can't handle them. It is up to God to fight your enemies. And what I want you to notice here is that God not only does deals with the fruit, but he cuts the root as well. Because if you read the text here, text says, the God of peace will crush 
not the troublemakers. He's going to crush Satan under your feet. Because you understand the only reason why the troublemakers are what they are is because they are being used by Satan. So you ain't got to get mad and take it personal with them because they ain't really your problem. They're nothing more than the devil's flunkies. Yes, God. And so instead of you being mad at the flunky, be mad at the devil. Because the devil is the one who sent the flunky in your life. Yeah. Ah. And so Paul here, he doesn't pray. He prophesies. Which means he speaks some things before it happens. And he says, the Lord of peace is going to trample Satan under your feet. And I'm going to be honest, Pastor Godfrey, I almost ran right there. But the Lord said, boy, you read your Bible too fast. I said, Lord, what you mean? He said, go back and read it again. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. I said, okay, God, I got it. I'm about to have victory. I was hollering. I was ready. He said, no, boy, slow down. The God of peace is going to crush Satan. Under your feet. My God, my God, my God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. But wait a minute, Lord. You just told me to tell the folk that you got to let the Lord fight the battle for you. And it would be one thing if you said that the God of peace will crush Satan under God's feet. But he said, no, I'm going to put the enemy under your feet. Which means that God's trying to tell somebody that I am going to fight the battle, but I'm going to let you walk in the victory. You better holler right there. That you, all you got to do is step. And after where you put your feet, God's about to give you the victory. sheet of paper and write down the name of every enemy you have. Every once in a while, you need to take every bill you have and put that down on a sheet of paper. And when you finish writing, you lay it out in your floor and just start walking over. Because everywhere you put your feet, God's about to give you the victory. Victory that you're about to receive, the Lord told me to tell you, is not going to be because you sweated for it. You're not going to have to cry for this victory. I was standing in my garage and the Lord said, Boy, you got to make sure you tell him, you ain't got to fight hard for this victory. He said, The only thing you got to do is say yes. Because the quicker you say yes, the quicker I'm going to send your blessing. That the quicker you get in line with the Lord, the quicker I'm about to drop what you need. That the only thing you've got to do is to trust and obey. And when you obey him, he will send overflow into your very life. And so, I guess I'm ready now. Bible makes it very clear that your victory is tied to your yes. And I'll be honest with you, when I looked at the scripture, I got excited because he said the Lord is going to do it shortly. Oh, 
And when, and when you read it, when you read it, I gotta, gotta tell you, when you read it in the Greek, it doesn't sound like it is in English. Glory to God. Because I, I was happy I said the Lord's about to do it right now. And that's good preaching. Jesus, Jesus. But let me be faithful to the text. Yes, yes. The text does not mean that the Lord is going to do it at this moment. Say it, say it, say it. But what the text is saying, that whenever the Lord does it, it won't take long. And the question is, can you hang on with the Lord? Until he does a quick work in your life. Can, can, you, can you stick with him long enough until him to bring victory in your life? Because this time the victory ain't going to take you 10 years. It's not going to take you 5 years. But by the time you get back home, the Lord is already going to have it worked out for you. Because it's not going to take him long. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I see victory coming your way. Well, come on, let's say, neighbor, I see victory coming your way. Glory to God. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know how it's coming. I don't know where it's coming from. But I see victory. Victory in your money. Victory in your living. I see victory in your life. And because victory is already yours, you might as well lift your hands and tell the Lord, thank you. Because victory is already And notice what he says. He said the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He said the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ work on your behalf. And let me tell you, just in case you haven't gotten the memo, what grace really means is favor. And so what Paul was saying to them is that I pray that God's favor works on your behalf. Because when you are in a real strong fellowship, you've got people that are praying that the Lord will bless your going and bless your coming. When you're in a real fellowship, you've got folks that will chill with you and will shout to the Lord with you. When you're in a real fellowship, they're going to call on the name of the Lord and say, Lord, bless my brother. Bless What if the reason why God 
isn't opening doors for you is because you are connected to the wrong people. Because your blessing isn't just about what you do. But your blessing is also about who you're connected to. Which is why some folk are good company in only certain seasons of your life. That's the reason why every once in a while you you got to go down to your Rolodex. And you need to go through your contacts and start deleting people every once in a while. Because you need to let the world know that every once in a while that God, I want to make sure that when you bless me, that I'm around the right kind of people. I don't want the kind of blessing. I'm going to look over my shoulder and see who's laughing at me. I don't want the kind of blessing where I got to worry about who's going to take it from me. Oh, 
out of your heart. You can worship him. You can worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, put your hands together and give God amen. Praise for an awesome word tonight. The ingredients of a strong fellowship. Just tell your neighbor, say, you got it, you got it. Come on, tell them no selective hearing tonight. You got it, you got it. Hallelujah. We're fellowshipping strong. Come on, you ought to give God praise. Come on, you ought to give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ought to give him praise. Amen. One more time, let's thank God for the man of God. Amen, Pastor Bowie. Come on, let's thank God for him. Amen. Glory to God. Come on, you can do better than that for him. Hallelujah. What a word. What a word. What a word. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Did you enjoy yourself tonight? Amen. I thank the Lord for this revival. This has been a wonderful three nights of revival. Amen. I thank God for what the Lord has done and is doing. Amen. At this time, we're going to do a special presentation. Amen. This is done by Elder Ruth Freeman. Yeah, yeah. Come on, give God a hand. Right. I said tonight, humble before God, 